Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Know to Grow podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ivan Khan, and I'll be breaking down topics around education, growth, and culture with the intention to help your own growth journeys. For those not familiar with our hosting organization, Constitutorial, I serve as a CEO, and we serve kids K-12 through in supplemental education centers throughout New York City. One of the unique privileges of my work is the opportunity to really know the various communities that our team serves and discover the various challenges that students face within themselves, their families, and overall community systems. Today, I'm joined by a very, very special comedian and filmmaker, Zubi Ahmed, also co-host of and co-founder of the Kuti Gang from Brooklyn, which features queer and South Asian women in comedy and writing. She's, Zubi has also composed and directed a web series called Polterheist. And Zubi started breaking barriers and was inspired by increasing the number of South Asians in the creative arts fields. Inspired by her culture and family, Zubi has created her craft and brought everyday South Asian diaspora experiences to light. Zubi, thank you so much for being here on the Nota Girl podcast. We've been looking to have this conversation for you with a, for a minute. Oh, well, thank you for having me, first of all. Um, and it's actually like, it's so, I don't know, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, nice <laughs> that that to to have someone think that I'm I'm good enough to to speak on these things. Oh man, y'all play your y'all y'all downplay your act so much. It's probably part of your act. Um, <laughs> my wife Nipa and I are huge fans of you, your troupe, Kuti Gang, and have been to several of your shows by now. And uh, I want to share with everyone, we were also blessed to have Zuby uh, bless our holiday party. And it's been such a wonderful uh, ride following the growth of your career and finally getting a chance to have our audiences uh, learn more about you. So tell us about your childhood, Zubes. Like, remind uh, us where you're from, where you're at, all of it. Of course. Uh, first, thank you again for the support. I mean, it really means a lot. I know that we met at the Bengali Mental Health Movement um yeah i have yeah yeah yeah, we got the stickers yeah (laughs) i got the sticker right shout outs um yeah we we love we love it we love to support um so we met there and then you know you've been to a few shows and i really i i appreciate the support so much like it really means so much because like growing up i went to consultorial and like sorry about that um, I mean, you know, it's it's just it's a part of our culture, you know. Like, Got to. if you grow up in New York and your parents are Bengali, it ain't official to, until you enroll the cons. Exactly. Um, you you know the this is the life, you know. Yeah. Um, and I I loved it. I loved going to cons. Honestly, like it was um it was fun for me because you know my dad had a restaurant in Jackson Heights and I went to the Jackson Heights location. So you you asked about like my childhood yeah, yeah childhood um so i was i was born in chicago um i don't know if anybody knew that but th- there it is <laughs> wow shatan Chirac, tell us about yeah. it um i honestly can't tell you that much because i moved here when i was like six years old yeah, yeah. i like Same. was pretty much like raised here like all i know is new york um i was born in chicago and i lived in like the rogers park area okay which is like the like Jackson Heights of of Chicago like that is where all of the um brown like, culture and great brown, immigrants like and minorities yeah. and everything like Devon Street is is mm. like where all the Indian um markets and restaurants and everything is like I remember like one specific place that my mom used to take me it was a Bangla Bazaar mm. and that's where we got like all of our like groceries and stuff from most of the times and then like I used to take these dance classes <laughs> um like these Indian like dance classes yeah like Chicago diaspora experiences yeah, Chicago, Chicago because um everything is so like like in New York, everything is spread out. Like we have Bengalis everywhere. Like, yeah, by now. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there are there's pockets of of Bengali communities everywhere. Yeah. Whereas in in Chicago, everything is so much more like um, in its own place. You know, mm-hmm. like all the brown people are in one place. All the black people are in one, like all the Mexican people are in one place. Like that's kind of it's not as it's, it's not as mixed. Very, it's not yeah, as mixed like the neighborhoods very, here. Mm-hmm. Well, when Bengalis get here, we post up at, at, like anywhere where the rent is cheap, and yeah. it's like usually uh, traditionally minority neighborhoods. Like my my first 
allies that are not Magali or uh, Latin folks and Caribbean folks and the West Indians, uh, you know. So what what part of New York did you move to? Well, we moved to the East New York Ozone Park area. Holla, city line, yep. city line, shout city out. Line. <laughs> yeah, city line. Um, a lot of my childhood was just shopping on city line, like, and like my going to my grandma's house and like rollerblading through like, um, through the dead end of yeah. Drew Street and like, you know, um, Liberty Ave and shit like that. So that was basically, yeah, that's where I learned how to rollerblade. That's where I learned how to ride a bike. That's where I learned, um, how to run away from people. Yeah. <laughs> like it was, um, you know, that's where, that's where I learned a lot of, like street uh, smarts. What calendar street, is this? Because yeah. I'm uh, so for any of the Brown listeners not familiar with South Ozone Park and Ozone Park and City Line, it's it's south of the Van Wick. It's right on the border of Brooklyn and Queens. So it comprises both uh, parts of Queens and parts of Brooklyn. Uh, oftentimes, it's you know close to East New York, and it's not the safest area to grow up in. So, yeah. so w- what year are you talking about? Where you had to like really learn the street smarts of survival in uh, this the side of the the side of the Van Wick. Um. Well, I moved uh, to New York '96, mm-hmm. um, and when I moved there, like my grandfather was already there for a long time. My mom's oh, my mom um, was in New York when she moved. So my mom and my dad they they were already in America when they got married. They mm. didn't. They didn't like meet a mother and get married. Like, yeah, well, yeah, I didn't know that. That's normally well, how, yeah. What's the most what happens? Most, yeah. Um, that like you know they they get married in Malaysia and immigrate together and uh to New into wow. America or whatever. My parents, my my dad was in um America already. Uh, he was getting uh he was going to piloting school and then um he moved to Chicago afterwards and like was like driving taxi and like doing like odd jobs there and that like my mom's family heard about my dad and like they kind of arranged it out yeah them uh to get married and then they got married my my mom and dad lived in chicago for a while and then um my brother was actually the reason why we moved back to new york because he my brother um got really sick um he's uh yeah i mean it's it it was it was a tough time. I was like four years old, and he's two years younger than me. So, um, he he has uh, physical and neurological disabilities uh, from his illness, mm. and he was like he was completely fine when he was born, but then like um, he he got really sick and and um, had seizures yeah. and got into a coma, and the doctors found like blood clots in like different areas of his body yeah. and. Um, the biggest part was his legs and they had to amputate. Um, oh. And so we moved from Chicago because we had way more family members in New York. Here, we had yeah. like more support here. And also like there was also just more support for people with disabilities yeah. here that we found. Um, so, yeah, we made that move uh, due to that. Um, and like as far as street smarts go, I was not really thinking about that growing up because I feel yeah, like yeah. snort is like that's that's my environment. Exactly. It's like that's how I usually go to school. Yeah, and avoid trouble, and that's how I usually come back. Yeah, know how to avoid it. Exactly. It it was just like this is just life. Like you know, I never thought about like oh like you know I gotta like you know um, do something differently or whatever. It was all just like you know you. I mean, like I watched like Full House and like (laughs) and like um, Family Matters and stuff growing up, and like you know their lives were so different. I mean, obviously Full House was like a whole different thing. Yeah, it was was really (laughs) different. San Francisco, yeah. And like back then, the dream was like oh, like everybody dreamt about like like getting money and moving to Long Island. You know, yeah, it's it's like 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 suburbs to get out. It's like to come up or like grab like. Save some money, buy a house in a slightly better neighborhood, and if yeah. you can get far away to other Bengali people in like a nicer place, yeah, great. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't really think about street smarts going around. I mean, there were a lot. There's always been like violence in my area. There's always been like you know, like recently there's been like an imam getting shot yeah. and killed and things like that. Tragic, like, there's yeah. always like things like that happening. But I at the same time have never felt unsafe yeah. in in my neighborhood. I don't know what it is. I think it's just like I've 
Oh, it's been you, there for so long. Yeah, and it's, and it's your neighborhood. It's just it's, it's just what it is. Yeah. How did you, you know, you're a writer, you're a comedian, you do so much. As a child, you're watching these sitcoms and, you know, we, we stayed talking about TGIF from Perfect Strangers, <laughs> which is before your time to... To Step by Step, which came Boy out, World. you know, Boy Meets World yeah. was that later shit that like <laughs> right when it was on the on the tail end and, and the Boy Meets World carried it for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And and, you know, that part Sabrina of culture. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just like it's like, wait a minute. What happened to TGI Fridays? Like, what is going what on happened? here? Honestly, what the like, they need happened to, bring to that, that shit? shit back? Because I, I feel like the family dynamic it has changed so much because I can't even like sit and watch the same shows as my, as my parents because like we don't have anything to watch together. To watch together. I mean like modern families like uh, a spin to like you know extended families mm-hmm. and like the the new face of family structure in the west yeah, yeah. they what, do like what that. night of the they week is that shit on like that. it's like it's an abc show right we don't know we don't know we don't even watch it like we, we don't have like a set schedule anymore we just dvr like, it streaming yeah has, streaming like, yeah Hulu. has you know um i don't know like growing up my so parents, you knew you want to be a comedian or did you want to do other shit i no not at all <laughs> I did not think that I was going to be a comedian. I, um, as far as like into college, I was like, oh, I'm going to be an international humanitarian lawyer. Of course. Yeah. Save the world. I was, I was, I was down for that. Like I was so told, I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to work at the Hague. I'm going to learn French. Like I, I did all of that. I did all, I took French classes in college and everything. Um, uh, we, como sale Like, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was really like in that, um, uh, world. Um, but at the same time, I knew, like, you know, there's always half of you that's like, ah, uh, I want to explore this part of myself, you know? Yeah. And the senior year of college, I took a class called, uh, writing TV sitcoms. Where'd you go to college? Fordham University. Dope. Local New York, Bronx or Lincoln Center campus? The Bronx. Alright, so you're a senior year up in the Bronx, up on campus. Yeah. Nice. I, I, shout out to the Bronx, honestly. Hell like, yeah. Shout out. Um, I think that the Bronx has the best people in the world. Like, the best people in the world come from the Bronx. And um, I don't know what it is. I think it's just like they have so much love in their hearts and they make you feel like a part of their family, you know? Um, so shout out to the Bronx. Bronx yeah. is like, similar to most, a lot of parts of Queens <laughs> with just a little bit more energy. All right, no, but this is about the Bronx. I know, I know, but it's a little <laughs> bit of energy. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I know you feel left out. You know, you know how it is. No, but I'm never gonna get Brooklyn that same love because they they they're they a little too proud. I'm Brooklyn. They're like, oh my god, we're Brooklyn, we're Brooklyn. I was like, yo, you know, Bronx never fucks with Queens. Queens never fucks with Bronx. Except except the hip hop founding battle shit. But you know, I mean, we all love the hip hop was born in the Bronx. We know that. Even yeah. Queens has know that. We know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We gotta we gotta give that to them. So, um, so you want to be an international lawyer? I want to be Fordham an University. Lawyer. You're about to travel to parts of, of parts of you know french colonies the ones with french <laughs> colonies are french and, and help them back um and, and then and then like i think around like my senior year i decided like you know i'm not gonna go to law school i'm not gonna pursue this anymore and shit. yeah and i was just i was like i need because ever since i was young i've always loved writing that's <sighs> like that's always been Anytime that I was going through some shit, like, I still have journals from when I was young. Like, yeah. I was, I mean, most of it is <laughs> anger. Um, a lot of it is just, like, shitting on misogyny and men. And, yeah. like, you know, uh, and, yeah, that, like, being as, um, not being able to express yourself yeah. in in a healthy way is, is always going to be your, the track that, you'll follow when you grow up I feel yeah. like so that was like me writing led to me like finding comedy as yeah you know um I feel like I've always loved comedy growing up you yeah. know uh, my parents have always like my parents would put on like Three Stooges I Love Lucy um we watched a lot of uh, Mad TV. Oh, shit. Your parents put Mad TV on? Yeah, because there was nothing else. Like, there wasn't no ZTV then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Saturday <laughs> night, 11 p.m. on Fox. Yeah. They were oh, just, man. And they love, they love to laugh. Like, they love this type of stuff. Like, you know, um, for them, like, I, and I think that immigrants, like, this This is my problem now with, with a lot of comedy today is, like, we sh- 
we kind of like um, shit on uh, on like the Three Stooges and stuff like that. Like you know, like how there, it was a lot of like physical humor and stuff like that. Like we kind of shit on it, but that that's the type yeah. of humor that it's like foundation building. I mean, exactly. it's, it's generational. It's relative. Yeah. Like once upon a time, like I'm I'm a fan and I have a mama, chota mama who. Mm-hmm. Taught me is like, yo, this is the Three Stooges. It started with them. And then you started seeing like the spinoffs when like Curly got replaced by this person. There's like two, three yeah, different yeah, people yeah. who played the third person. It was Larry yeah. Moe and whoever the fuck at the end, yeah. right? So it's like, my uncle also loved like Robin Williams. Yeah. Because there's like, and of course, Jim Carrey, who, yeah. who started off in A Living Color. And so physical comedy, there was a time and place for that. And, you know, it, yeah. it's still, it's still there. But they consider it. Uh, like low below, brow. yeah, lowbrow yeah. shit, and and I think that's unfair only because that kind of alienates the immigrant um, population mm. because physical humor is so universal. If mm. you think about it, like nowadays we can't like I can't watch like um, Brooklyn Nine Nine with my parents because they're like I don't understand any of this. Like you yeah, know? you don't need to be so cerebral all the time and shit. Yeah, yeah, and I and I like I love it though. Like I love. Um, what we have now, like The Office and Brooklyn Nine Nine, all these shows, like, they're so great. Um, but like going back to our roots in like physical comedy, like it, it, there is something there that unites all of us. You know, mm. unites us with our with people who don't understand English that well or um, don't get like the jokes. And like I, I, I uh, recently wrote a. Uh, no, I didn't write it. Um, one of my uh, writers wrote a sketch um, where, like, uh, the brother and sister are talking about like how they never seen their parents like show any affection to each other, yeah. and it's a lot of phys- physical humor because like, um, like Osama's playing the brother and I'm playing the sister, oh, and like we're just like shit. hitting each other. Yeah, and I showed like. Uh, a cut to my parents and every time like we would hit each other or like do something like physical they would laugh they didn't laugh at any of the things that we were saying because they're just like okay (laughs) you know you know um but but to them that physical interaction between siblings is familiar to them from even their childhoods like yeah when you're a kid you just kind of want to push your sibling away because you're annoyed at them yeah Yeah, something like that i mean it's yeah it is like yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> you before you go on to the next section, you you know you do a lot of writing and you share mm-hmm. um, a lot about your not only your career but your personal life also. You wrote you know a, you know it's deeply about your experience growing up with your parents in a very 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 famous part of our community, mm-hmm. um, Aladdin Restaurant. So mm-hmm. for any of young motherfuckers who think like life started in 96 or 99, Aladdin Restaurant is the OG Bangla restaurant uh, from 73rd Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been Aladdin restaurants in Astoria to here and there, but we all recognize Aladdin Restaurant. There's this this is this 10-year period where it's, we all, you know, it's the restaurant's still there today, you know, names and names and yeah. uh, brands have changed. What was that experience like growing up for you as um, a part of that family? Um, well, growing up, I didn't know that it was a big deal. Like, we didn't think of it, like, we just saw it as, like, you know, dad's going to work. And, but I did love it. I love that time in my life because I, it was a great way for me to spend time with my dad. I would just mm-hmm. go to the restaurant with him and, like, you know, fuck around and stuff like that. And that's when he was like, all right, I'm going to put you to into consultorial because you're annoying me. <laughs> like, yeah. Go upstairs. Like, <laughs> He'll shape you up. Yeah. yeah. My dad's <laughs> teaching you math and you're fucking writing about how much you hate math. <laughs> like, fuck this math shit. I love writing. <laughs> yeah. That's all my journal is about. <laughs> like, uh, find X. How about no? <laughs> um, yeah, I so I went to Jackson Heights a lot with my dad, just like like fooling around in the restaurant a lot and stuff like that. So that it, I feel like my identity is so um, 
everywhere. It's everywhere, like all over New York. Like yeah. I, I feel like I don't have like a like a specific place because like yes, I grew up in Ozone Park East New York, but I also like spent a lot of time in Jackson Heights and Woodside and those parts of Queens because I went to school there. And then I went to college in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was also born in Chicago. So I feel like my identity is like fucking everywhere. It's great I though. Don't know. I mean, I love it. I, I think, think it's an advantage. You got all these experiences and shit. I think it's great, but at the same time, it's like where do I belong? Like. And I feel like this this has been like such a catalyst for like a, a lot of what I write about, a lot of what I do, because I'm just like, where do I belong? Like, you don't feel like you belong anywhere, you know? And like, I, I think I, I, I think I saw a quote from Lin-Manuel when he was like, um, you like he he did all of what he does because he's searching for a place to belong. Like, you don't belong anywhere. You just you you find a place you're like trying to create a place to yeah. belong, basically. So I think that that's a lot of where like my art comes from. <laughs> it's like trying to find a place to belong. I never thought about it that way. Uh, as a person who's had several different areas that I can call my roots, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I absolutely empathize and think about like shit. I can't boil it down to one single mm-hmm. place, and. Uh, you know, I I only got a chance to watch uh, Hamilton as a birthday gift nice. uh, from, from, from from Nipa, <laughs> and I was you know, list from listening to the to the performances to thinking about Lin Manuel like writing that down, mm-hmm. and him growing up as a Latin man in Washington Heights, writing something in the theater space. It's not like the first thing you think about when you think about Washington Heights right no. after Deegan. So it's like, oh, it, it was like really cool to be like, oh, shit, this is like a work of genius. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think In the Heights was the first Broadway musical. Um, it was probably the first piece of work where I felt represented. Oh. And these are not even I'm not they're not even like yeah. they're not South Asian, they're no, not, no, no, you know, yeah. but I felt represented because those stories were the same type of stories that I that resonated with mm. me. The abuela on the on the on the stoops, mm-hmm. like the the piragua guy, mm-hmm. the Lynn, I mean, Osnavi himself, like Vanessa. I, I was like, I'm Vanessa. <laughs> like, like, you know? <laughs> I'm supposed to be playing her right now. I'm, so oh, I'm, her. Yo, I'm, I'm her right now. Yo. That shit got me so tight. You're like, yo, why did I miss this casting? This, this movie is coming out and I'm like, yo, I was supposed to be in it. <laughs> We're going to do it. We're going to do it. I know the fucking words. Like, I, know. I never learned the words to any Broadway musical. Come but, on. Except that one. Up, I thought that Broadway was a fucking myth. Like, <laughs> I was like, because like, you know, I, I was like, um, Broadway, 42nd Street, all that shit is fake. Like, I yeah. didn't know about, I didn't know that this was a place. You didn't know it was like a, a place that you could access it as a yeah. person of color. Like, oh shit, there's a spot for me too. Yeah. I think Annie was like one of the only musicals that I, that I like watched mm-hmm. because like it was on like ABC all the yeah. time. Um, and it was a 1997 <laughs> version of Annie, not even like the original. Um, the Jay-Z Hard Knock Live Volume 2 version. <laughs> yeah. um, I want to make sure we get time for our first break. Uh, you've just completed the education section for stand-up comedy with Zubi Ahmed. We'll be right back on the Nutter Girl Podcast. What you doing now? I did for a while. Missy, missy, missy. Go ahead, let it snap. I'ma snatch their wigs till I see their scabs. Booty, booty claps. Flying across the map. Lambo on the block. Looking like a snack. I show you how I do it. Show you how it's done. Don't look for another missy, cause there be no another one. And we're back to the Nutter Girl Podcast. Stand up comedy with Zuby Ahmed. Before the break, we were learning about Zuby's senior year at Fordham and the realization that, oh snap, this writing space and comedy space is really something that is is pulling me in. So what was your first few stops after college? Take us through that time post-college. And if you can put a calendar year, we can match it up to what's going on to and how how it all arrived today. Sure. Um, So I graduated college in 2012 and at the time, um, this was like right around uh, the recession or like mm-hmm. the recession ending 
kind of. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was really tough finding, like, looking for a job and finding yeah. jobs and stuff like that. Um, so I thought, like, immediately, like, I had to, in order to appease my parents, I had to find, like, a job that was sustainable and things like that. Um, I was working for uh, my school's hospitality services, Sodexo, mm-hmm. um, for about, like, half a year. Um, and then I quit and uh, got a job at CBS uh, Radio, CBS Local. Yeah. Um, which doesn't exist anymore because I was like Viacom CBS. Yeah, yeah. Everything has changed. Like all merged. This, all this merging and all this same shit, life. new name. Like yeah, exactly. Um, so I worked uh, at CBS at the ad operations uh, department. Mm. So I was in ad ops for a long time. Ad ops is basically like if you think about like the ads that you see online. Um, that was me. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm putting up those ads. Yeah, you, you got the pop-ups, right? Yeah, that that's you're you. listening okay. to, that you're okay. looking at, the banners, mm. uh, all of that. That was me. Um, and I apologize for that. Um, but so I was doing uh, that. And then, like, I, 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 wor- I worked in ad ops for about, like, five years until I decided to go back to school to get a master's degree. Um I was – so I moved from CBS So you to, worked for five years in the field? And you're like, yo – Time to be Bengali. Gotta go get my master's. It was because I thought that if I just ride it out, out, because like when I was um, at CBS, I was also doing, I started doing like sketch writing and improv and things like that. On the side or through through there? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I was doing it on the side. I was taking class at UCB, um, which is the Upright Citizens Brigade. So if you've heard of like any polar. Yeah. Whoever Damn. the other guys are. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's fine. She's, she's queen. She's, she's queen. She's queen. Yeah, she's yeah, fine. Yeah. She's the, great. The other guys, like, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I know them. <laughs> um, Amy Poehler, so it was Amy Poehler's baby, basically. Yeah. Um, so I, w- I took uh, classes there, and um, I met a lot of a lot of different comedians, a lot of different people, um, and unfortunately, very white, though. So um, didn't always feel like, again, like, I didn't find a place where I felt like I belonged. Like, I know that these were weirdos, but, like, it still felt kind of, like, gatekeepy, you know, because, like, they expect, like, to understand your humor. But I'm like, yo, I come from a totally different background from you guys. Yeah, it's like they're trying, but if you're not going to hire us into, like, a a, a leading top four role, ain't no way you're going to understand our experience. It's like, why do you keep giving us these typecast roles? I've, I've worked with other writers or you know, had conversations with them where they felt that deep sense of abandonment or isolation. Like the only roles that were offered to them was to be a terrorist or to be, you know, a, a, what the media says that Muslim men or women should be. Yeah. Was that and was that like that at your spot? Or I think that like, people were yeah. like at UCB, people were very careful not to be. But because of that carefulness, we didn't have enough fun. <laughs> You know, like, you I don't mean to be racist, know, but you know, when you're so like you, you kind of like bottle up your racism. It's like, you it's, it's a, you, you're going to try to be hyper politically correct. <laughs> yes. And exactly. it's like more racist than just it fucking is. being your fucking self. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm I, just I, like, I, yo, like this doesn't feel real. None of you feel like real people because like, come on, like you can't say shit to me you right can't now. Say, say shit to me. <laughs> you're not, you know, so so I stopped doing improv um, once I started once I went back to school um, and I was also on a, on a sketch team which I loved like an indie sketch team and I loved it um, but it took so much time like you know you had to meet with your with your team like once a week and like write and um, a director had to like put your show together basically we had like uh, I, I did like three shows with them until I, I quit because I was going back to school. Um, and it also cost money to do these things. Um, and I, at that time, I was working. It's a big was, sacrifice. There's, yeah. Your side hustle suddenly taking up a lot of your, like costing you money and it's just like more time. That's, that is what it is. That's why. That is why it is such a privilege. Like if you get to do these things. Yeah. If you because. Um, I was able to do it because I was working full time, you know, um, so I was able to pay for these things. And I was also living with my parents like and this is where it comes up, like why white why there are so many white people in it, because they have that privilege. They have yeah. their parents backing them up, you know, um, and 
people of color don't have that same kind of resource. They don't have that same kind that of safety privilege. net. Exactly. That huge, wide safety net of network and mommy and daddy's friends and da 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 until exactly. we and create it for why, ourselves. Yeah. And that's why it's so difficult. And that's why, like, we're trying to make it easier for, um, for people of color, for South Asians, for black people, for allies all, all of us everyone, every you know? underrepresented marginalized um, group and it takes time it takes patience and it takes a lot of work a lot of work and i think one of my one of my greatest inspirations for cooking was um the show called who made the potato salad and this was like who made the potato salad yes I, I haven't seen it but i can already assume who made which type of potato <laughs> salad it's like it was a it's a great show. It was created by um, a, a comedian. She writes for the Daily Show now. Her name is X Mayo. She was in The Farewell. If anybody's seen that mm. movie, she's such an incredible comedian, and she does it for the community. And you know, she she created that show where she would get all of these um, comedians of color and basically create a show in one day. And there's like sketches. Um, writers were all. Uh, people of color, actors, all people of color, directors, all people of color. And she did that. And that was such an inspiration. And we were just like, when I was um, thinking about creating something like that, like doing something like that for South Asians, I was like, we need to take it. We, 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 we got to do it this way. Yeah. Um, so that's what, like one of the reasons why we, we did Kuti Gang. I got to ask you an auntie question, yeah? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> So I got my master's degree in um, TV production. Yeah. Tell us yeah. about it, please. There's not too many folks that I meet every day that have such a, a fantastic background in that. And I wish it was as fan- I, w- I wish it was fantastic enough to me for me to get a job. Like, well, you can tell all of our viewers and our listeners who want to be the next you and listen. the rest of Kuti Gang about this field. And tell us about that experience. Was it worth the money and the time or... Would you do it a different way? Um, I definitely learned a lot. I went into this field not knowing a single thing. I, I didn't know what a slate was. I didn't know what like these like light boxes mm-hmm. and whatever. I didn't know any of this stuff. I went into this program. I learned all of it. I learned mm-hmm. how to light. I learned how to handle a camera. I learned how to build a tripod. I learned how to mm-hmm. slate. I learned how to produce. I learned how to be an assistant director. I learned how to um, be a dolly grip. I learned how to be... I learned I learned so much. And you learn, like just knowing this vo- vocabulary is... It's, it's puts critical. You ahead. Yeah, yeah, critical. It puts just you ahead understand, yeah, yeah. of the game already. Um, and like because of this experience that I have, a lot of the times where... Uh, when I freelance like as a production assistant people tell me like I'm one of the best PAs they ever ever had because a lot of times they'll hire PAs who are just like I just want the experience and they don't know what they're doing but Mm -mm. once they hire people like me with this education um that they see like they see the the worth in it um so I would say like if you I, I feel like I in my whole career trajectory have um went back and forth a lot you know like I did I did comedy and then I did I started doing stand-up and then I um I was like okay I'm gonna get my master's degree and like you know uh I think that if you have something inside of you that's telling you like okay you need to pursue this thing go and do it like don't don't let the doubts don't let people don't let anyone tell you that you can't do it or else you're going to you're going to waste a lot of time honestly (laughs) and energy um, and mental health space and happiness by always chasing what society wants or or something like that all of it is your own personal growth so Mm. don't listen to me don't listen to me honestly it's your it's your life yeah ultimately it's your choice and that's (laughs) what we're pushing (laughs) you to follow your own heart yeah exactly so that's what i that's what i ended up doing and then like um Stand-up was totally different. Stand-up, I, every time I started something new in comedy, I was like, before that, I was like, I'm never going to do this. So, like, um, I started with sketch comedy, and then I was, and at UCB, I was like, I'm never going to do improv. Started doing improv. <laughs> and then after that, I was like, I'm never going to do stand-up. Started doing stand-up. <laughs> like, so, it was sketch, sketch was your roots, and then you, yeah. you, you kind of branched out into adding on improv as part of your arsenal mm-hmm. and from there you're like fuck it i, I want to you know i want to just really 
uh, do a set or be a you know do the do the stand up part yeah. too. Yeah. And it was it was a it was a it was a strange journey. I feel like one of the first ever open mics that I went to, um, there was a there was this there was a I don't even know if he does comedy still, but there was a comedian there who um, like who started talking about Indians and he was just like and he pointed at me and he was like you're Indian right and I was just like wrong uh, okay whatever um yeah. <laughs> he was like why are Indians so materialistic I'm like bro you gotta find an Indian and ask them that like I don't know what to tell yeah. you like Indians are so materialistic I was just like why am I being targeted right now this is the type of shit that people have to put up with when they go to open mics and when they like you you listen to such bigoted shit sometimes that you're just like why do I keep doing this to myself you know but you do because you love it. Uh, <laughs> so, so oftentimes, our, it sounds like no matter what we're dreaming, it, it comes with some of that extra baggage. Yeah. And uh, luckily, as, as we have more and more folks that look like us in the space or especially want to speak up about it, like, dog, I ain't Indian for the last time. Or like, and, you know, not that there's anything wrong. You know, like yeah, in Seinfeld and shit, right? Yeah. So what was your, I'm just doing a little Seinfeld joke. That's it. That's it. It was only a Seinfeld reference. What was your inspiration for Polterheist? Tell us about that a little bit. And what's the message behind the series? Uh, so Polterheist, um, this was actually my thesis project. Mm. So um, I think the, the inspiration for it was just me, I was... I've always been afraid of ghosts and demons and things So for me, the best way to cope with, with things that scare me is to make a joke about it. Mm. And that's why I created Poltergeist. And also, I think I was I was very inspired by um, by one of my favorite directors, uh, Taika Waititi. Okay. Have you heard of him? I haven't. I'll get to, get to hear all he's, about him now. He's amazing. He's my favorite um, I think uh, he also did like that. He's from New Zealand. Mm. He's a he's a half Maori, half Jewish man, and he's just incredible. Have you did you what, did you hear about Jojo Rabbit at all? I'm so out of touch. I'm so sorry. No, you're I'm not. Like, Ivan, I'm like you're an not old out of Father touch. Times don't, undefeated kid. Don't say that. Nah, you good. You good. Tell tell us um, about it. So, anyways, Taika Waititi. Um, he did this film called. Uh, what we do in the shadows mm. and it was basically the office meets vampires oh, shit. <laughs> or is it was the office meets um interview with a vampire oh so if you can oh. imagine that it was okay. so funny it's so funny um and to me like the supernatural is is scary but, <laughs> but if you can make it funny like fucking do it you know so that was like i watched uh what we do in the shadows and i was I, like fucking enamored by it and then I, I watched like everything that by him has made yeah wow. I watched like, like short film that was nominated for an Oscar um and he he's uh he's he was the director of Thor Ragnarok if you've seen it I haven't remember I'm like when you yeah, listen, listen 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 <laughs> let, let me break it down for everybody when you have something called children, uh, life... Pushball! Have you take, seen Yeah, ask Pushball. Tell okay. us about it. Producers, we're going to Pushball the producer. Tell us, tell, <laughs> make this... What's she talking about here? She's asking me about the third thing, reference I do not know about. Thor Ragnarok? Yeah. Thor Ragnarok is, uh, it's is a Marvel. movie in the MCU. That's a thing. That's a yeah. thing. I'm going to break it down for you. Pop culturally, people above 33 or 35, we missed the Marvel train. That's bullshit. We were in the Sopranos no, train. We were in every no, other train. No. But if you're at 35, 35 and above, you I have missed the, no, I think the some Marvel of the train. biggest fans of MCU are 35. <laughs> That's not the norm for our age group. That's the thing. Like, we, you know, but they're the super fans, you know? Like, the casual 36-year-old is not in what the Harry Potter? Like, That's... My wife is up in that shit. Okay. I was... Okay. I, I, I caught Lord of the Rings, so... During my uh, traumatic adolescence, <laughs> I was really into film until medical school hit. So I had to really study all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just dealing with uh, everything from my dad's uh, sickness to just getting through school and saving uh, cons mm -hmm. uh, took me away from being at the movies. Yeah. So then when we became uh, parents, the movies were the first thing to go. It's mm -hmm. like when you have... A night of babysitting, it's like, let's go eat and figure out a way to catch up on the last two weeks that we weren't really able to talk to each other because we have a newborn. So it's like, 
Yeah, feel feel sorry for all the parents who don't understand these cool pop culture references. But go ahead, you were you were saying patronizing you. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> um, it, it is so. So he was the director for Thor Ragnarok, and honestly, Pushball, I think you can agree with me on this. He saved the entire Thor um, franchise franchise because I mean, with the second mm, Thor. Yeah. It was right. It was shit. It was hot ass. I, that, that, it was trash. That Thor movie should not even exist. Honestly, <laughs> thank you. Pushball is just shaking. Pushball's like, oh, he's he's he was really upset. So we're gonna have a Bengali Thor one day. <laughs> one day. <laughs> one day. And I will. And this is the movie Thor. And um, <laughs> so I gotta ask you a little bit about you know the last few months. I mean, from. Connecting together in giving back and paying it forward in the community on uh, the border of Queens and Brooklyn and Ridgewood, not too far, the Bengali Mental Health Women launch, to having these fantastic ensemble shows of South Asian comedy, and I got a chance to see you put that one together, and you were even performing in the uh, Bunny Cow created by Children of 71. How does that make you feel now when, when, when you're increasingly seeing peers in the space, your sisters in the space, your brothers in the space, and you're like, oh, shit, we all headlining tonight together kind of shit. Like, how does that matter for you? And what's it like when, like, the audience is brown audience versus, like, mixed audiences? Like, we got to tell brown people to fucking laugh and shit a little bit more. So why don't you take us through that shit a little bit? Yeah. Um, I, I It makes me feel so good. Honestly, like... <laughs> Even like a year ago, it was just me and Osama, like <laughs> the two Bengalis. Now we had, we were able to put on a show with five Bengali, five whole Bengalis. Yeah, whole Bengalis. Five whole Bengalis. No half Bengalis in there. They're whole, whole Bengalis, whole, 100%. Like, 100% Bengalis. <laughs> like we were, uh, you know, I would never have imagined that. And to see that happen was, you know, really incredible. I don't know how what else to say about it other than like, this is, you know, th- taking this momentum and making something out of it is exactly what we need to be doing. We need to be moving forward um, with with what we have. And that support, honestly, like having children in 1971 um, showcase our talent and like, support. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, support us is means so much because sometimes like sometimes like brown people can get into that space of like being like overly judgmental and like what? Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> Brown people judging? Pushball? Have you ever heard that? Talking shit, gossip, and no- nothing. Well, of course not. We're perfect. Go ahead. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so uh, to see our generation put all that aside and be like, no, I'm going to support my brothers and sisters in the arts and yeah. and push them forward and, and like help them with their career. You have no idea how much it means like to have to have the the support because this is the the exact type of support that will keep us moving forward and keep us doing the thing like there are times where i'm just like damn like should i even be doing stand-up anymore like should i even Mm. like continue doing this um should i just like why do i keep on going Mm -hmm. to open mics why do i keep doing shows Mm -hmm. like does this matter to anyone um it does it matters to, to the brown people who are like yo like if she can do it i can do it you know um that that's inspiring in its own so yeah uh, nipa and i at home are are not only big fans of your comedy uh through your shows we've gotten a chance to youtube some of your fellow comedians and it's like we've never watched youtube shows like together because you know we catch up and talk or or watch you know, stuff like Portlandia, you know, like goofy, <laughs> weird, or, or just Netflix stand-up specials. But now we're... You guys are Portlandia fans? We, awesome. we, like, we fuck with, like, a lot of stand-up. Yeah. And uh, we ha- she has her favorite uh, favorites. She's much more into physical comedy uh, and than myself. And over time, we've both gotten to appreciate both types. But thanks to you pioneering so much of the culture, the comedy culture, for us brown folks... We are, are, we're filling our souls with as much comedy as we can, and it's incredible to see this growth. So on that note, we'll go to our final break before the culture section on the Notre Grow podcast. Woo! Hello, Action. 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 Action.
We're back here on the culture segment uh, for the Notre Girl podcast on uh, stand-up comedy with Zubi Ahmed. Right now, before she was grilling me on uh, intellectual property uh, challenges, <laughs> we were talking about culture and growth of, you know, the entire comedy scene of South Asians. And trust us, uh, some of the funniest motherfuckers I've seen behind the mic including yourself, were behind that, behind those mics in, the, in your two shows. So at home, we've stopped watching like Netflix specials and we, we, we go right into you and your teammates. Oh, man. That's, uh, it's what? true. It's fucking true. We, we got a lot of comedy love in the crib. Before we go to some of our comedy like idols and inspirations, anyone in your family you want to give your comedy chops to? Like, yo, I get my comedy from a little bit from here, a little bit from there. Um, I would say like a little bit like both of my parents. My my dad, he's very much. I think I I, I, I wrote about him in my children nineteen seventy one post because he was always the life of the party. Like that's why people loved Aladdin so much. People like men would just go there just to hang out with my dad. Oh yeah, because he was that dude. Like he was just like like just fun to be around. And like you know, we always had family gatherings. If we had family gatherings, if we had like. Um, like Thanksgiving, uh, Eid, all that shit was happening at our house because people loved they just love this energy, energy and they that loved, company. Yeah, they loved, and my mom's always cooking. Like her food is amazing. Shit. Um, so we had that like dynamic, you know. Yeah. My dad with like the laughs, and my mom with the food. With and, the food. Like, the, oh, nothing better in a Bengali the, household. The heart. And and shit, just yeah. have that. That's awesome. Yeah. You make you make you make it sound like Cheers, like like the old TV show, and like sometimes you, you're this way before your time. I shit. know. Yeah, um, but it's like it's like when everybody knows, knows your name, name so it's like yeah. oddly, right? So <laughs> I did watch Cheers um, as a kid. As a I kid, didn't under, I didn't we can understand anything. the fucking humor, right? I it was like it was like too anything. old and too uh, Boston like, for us. Wow. So uh, it's like it's <laughs> being like, an adult uh, is strange. What's so special about a Corvette and this man's hair? Um, <laughs> so you know, we talked a little about the physical comedians and physical comedy that we grew up on. Mm-hmm. Age five through ten, what were some of your biggest comedy inspirations as a kid as you moved over from Windy City, Chicago to the rough streets of East New York? Um, I was still watching a lot of I Love Lucy. Hell yeah. I was um my my aunt, she was she's she's like a on the younger side, so um she was watching a lot of like TGIF and things like yeah. that. So she got me into like Boy Meets World yeah. and Sabrina the Teenage Witch and like whatever we watch on like the local channels, you know, like whatever because we didn't have cable. Um, so yeah, we were watching a lot of that SNL, Mad TVs. Uh, Are you more SNL or Mad TV? Mad TV, bro. Yeah. Yeah. What, what aspect of it is it just because the representation, or is just more slapstick, or is just more up your alley? Like, what do you think? I think like they were just yeah, they had way more diversity on, on yeah. that show. Um, and, you know, it was just, like, a lot, I think, like, being young, you, you kind of go toward, they did, like, a lot of, like, uh, humor based on, like, just, like, making funny faces and things like that, like, which, like, I loved, and then there was, like, also, like, you ever fuck with In Living Color? Yeah. Yeah, 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 Yeah. because maybe you're too young for that shit, I was like, yo, do you know about In Living Color? um, I love that shit, um, and there was also, I mean, I, I was older when I found out about, um, the Monty Python and, like, mm-hmm. uh, that show with, um, Bob Odenkirk and, and, uh, David Cross, I think his name is. Oh, I, I know, which, I think I know some of the shows you're talking about, and it's probably during med school when I was oh, not allowed to yeah. watch any YouTube or any, yeah, like, yeah. TV, because I was, life was just happening. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, and then, like, the, also, like, all that. And, oh shit! You know, um, how about when you're older, like as tell. as a as a teen and adolescent, as your tastes are like maturing and you're watching more like I was I was only watching Degrassi. Oh shit! <laughs> I, was, 
kidding. Oh shit! Was, I'm a, you weren't watching Ghost Rider like with, with all my other friends. I was and shit? only watching. Deg- I don't know what you're talking about. Why does the show Degrassi remind me of Ghost Riding suddenly? Ghost Rider too. Is, is that a Drake thing? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. So um, I was yeah, I was only watching Degrassi and the, uh, whatever, whatever was on the end. Um, I was no, I was watching. Yeah, I was watching a lot of uh different kind of types of. I was watching Disney Channel because that's one of my parents. Like, we, we were doing so well with Aladdin. We got cable. Finally. Yeah, finally we made it. We <laughs> so, got cable, but just don't watch it after nine p.m. because we're watching, of the we're shit. Watching yeah, Nickelodeon a lot. Like Nick at Night, dude. Like once, um, I watched like all of the old sitcoms on uh, because they would put like Nick at Night, like all of the old sitcoms on there. Like I can't talk about Nickelodeon in my house. Yeah, you know that, right? Really? What? I can't talk about Nickelodeon in my house. Why? Is my wife Disney lived in a channel? building. So she got the good cable, uh-huh. and everywhere I lived, I had antennas, and I had cable uh-huh. after like tenth grade. Oh, okay. so she'd be like, "Yo, you don't remember Ren and Stimpy? You don't remember this shit? You remember that music video?" I was like, "No, no, <laughs> I didn't have cable. I was poor. I didn't have cable. I didn't have cable till like sophomore year in high school. Damn. So it's like you miss out on like all the cable pop culture. You hear about it at school and mm-hmm. shit, but mm-hmm. you got the channel four, channel five, channel seven, the good shit, yeah, the loyal shit. That was there was a lot of good good." shit on on uh, on local channels and you know so and we also watched <clears throat> another thing that was inspiring to me was itadi oh my god y'all thing? fucking I, I don't think anyone here knows about <laughs> itadi so if it's all right <clears throat> i'll take this itadi uh, reference uh, when i was 10 i was telling zubi that i moved to bangladesh for a year and a half it was uh exhilarating and, and and very very scary at the same time for many many different reasons and every single eid and then maybe a one one or two other like special holidays a year mm-hmm. they drop an itadi episode and itadi mm-hmm. was hanif shanket and he was like the all-star which, so you'd consider that more a sketch comedy yeah and that was that was the, like what, SNL, the type shit. snl snl of, of Taka. and it was so funny i mean okay. i'm pretty sure like half the shit they weren't even like allowed to legally do like they used mr beans <laughs> For like oh a long, my remember that? So they had to hide behind the white guy doing really gropey, weirdy stuff and be like, yeah, this is funny, but we're not going to have a Bangladeshi guy do like, it. Yeah, they just had like, they just voiced him. They were just yeah, like, they did like the voiceovers and they did voiceovers of like trucks. Like yeah. how uh, if a truck can speak Bangla or a bus can speak Bangla, what the fuck would they like say? such dumb shit. And I, oh, I, I loved it. I do loved it. it so really do you guys call it momlet or omelet in your house? Momlet. Exactly. There's an Itali shit where they were like talking about like, yeah, we all have come to know this dish is called the omelet. But what if the server only recognizes this momlet? And then there's a fucking banga skit and like the and like the goli and like the you know the rastar bosti. Like not like uh-huh. it's like the, the the tin hut where you're eating a good yeah, breakfast, yeah. like good cha, like the cha mm-hmm. on the right side of the road. Mm-hmm. And the dude's like, hey, I'm yakta omelet kabo. And then he's like, omelet. And like the guy's totally fucking oblivious to what the hell he's trying to order. And then he's like, that can, that can. And he's like, hey, momlet. He's like, oh, shit, I ball in momlet. And it's just like fucking stupid Volvo Bengali joke, you know? Like, I was just thinking that's a Volvo joke, you know what I mean? <laughs> so everyone knows the Volvo Bengali joke. So it was like, so now it's like, is you know it the omelet? Pizza Hut joke? Tell me the fucking Pizza Hut joke. <laughs> How do you get a pizza to move? <laughs> say it what's the punchline do it you say pizza hut <laughs> whoa my, my winter allergies my my chronic cough is coming back such a stupid fucking joke yo Bengali humor is fucking wild alright okay so I gotta take it back from our parents cause we we talked about it wait in, do you know the gulab jamun joke say it t- talk about it how do you get the rose to go to, ball, uh, to go to the moon? How do you get the rose? Or the flower to go to the moon. The flower yeah. to go to the moon. Go for it. Say gulab jamun. <laughs> Fuck out of here. Fuck out of here. <laughs> All right. All right. That, we'll save that one for Eid. And we'll save that for <laughs> Rojamash. Rojamash after sunset. After iftar, of course. After no, no food talk during the day. So... To any of our non-brown listeners, so Bengali dawats usually start with politicking, a uh, shit ton of gossip, yeah. and the kids hide out in like the one bedroom, like like the parents' bedroom, because, and just watch TV and crack jokes and making fun of the parents. And then there's uh, some singing, 
And you always got to end with like a round of jokes. Like mm-hmm. after like 12, 1230, all Bengali family parties yeah. end up in some like a joke and storytelling fucking yeah. who can top each other's story and punchline even yeah, better. Yeah, and yeah. just and then you got the two hour goodbye at the door. The t- so <laughs> that's the party. That's what the that's party the party. That's when the, that's when the after party. The after party's <laughs> at the door. It's like eh. and then and then after everyone leaves, your parents have two cups of chai and they try to go to bed <laughs> and they complain about not going to sleep. They're like uh, and they go with them. That's so now. real. That's so funny. And so who's your Mount Rushmore of because uh, I, I know you're, you as an artist in various forms of comedy. Who's your Matt Rushmore in like sketch comedy? Like, cause sketch comedy has taken all, like, if you like two or three people that come to mind, you know, sketch comedians or sketch acts or troops, go for it. Um, I would say Kean Peel. Yeah. For sure. Um, Keenan and Kel. The OGs of that Hell shit. Yeah. The OGs. Um, <clears throat> yeah, they were doing, and then Amanda Bynes. Um, mm. cause she was, her show was fucking great. Incredible. Um, <clears throat> and, so that's your sketch. That's your that's your that's, sketch yeah, draft, right? Sketch, that's your top yeah. three in the sketch. Yes, All right, we're gonna go from sketch, mm-hmm. second category, top three in improv. And I know it's like, <laughs> and I know that's Nobody's like. Gonna know these. I know it's like it's like what's that show? <laughs> Whose line is it anyway? On ABC. That's, that's um, actually short form. Improv. It's, like, it's like actually that's not real improv. That's <laughs> no. uh, commercialized Jay Z. I mean, okay, Wayne Brady. That's the Jay Z version. That's the only name that I can remember, so I'll throw him in there. Yeah. <laughs> If you want to shout out your crew, because hopefully you have comedians listening to the Notable podcast, and you right. guys will all be back. But shout out to two or three. Ever um, improvisers is Aaron Jackson, and mm. he was on um, the show called. Uh, you, do you remember Jordan Klepper Comedy Central? He had from Daily Show. He was one of the correspondents on the Daily Show, and then he went on to have his own show. Um, I forgot the name of it, but Jordan Klepper had his own show, and then one shout of the correspondents. On that show was Aaron Jackson, and he is so funny. He's like one of my favorite. Bigger shout out to Aaron Jackson. I love him. If you guys want to check him out, do it. Where can we find him? I'm just kidding. Uh, Honestly, uh, like <laughs> social media. Social media and IG and YouTube and Reddit. His Instagram is. The Underweb. Like, um, it's actually Garbage Troll, so look him up. Oh, Garbage Troll. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. So. Why are it's you like, why are you ta- why are you describing me that way? Stop it's- talking to me. He's talking about and, me. All right, and you know you're a stand up. Com- you're also a stand up comedian. So if you got to oh, give your stand up comedy, oh god, god, finish I up your improv. Yeah, yeah. Just um, uh, shout out to Stephen Yun and Rachel Dratch. Do you know? Does anybody know? I know Rachel you? Dratch for sure. For sure. Rachel Dratch, hilarious improviser. <laughs> um, also Stephen Yun. I never seen any of his um, any of his improv, but. He's the Asian on The Walking Dead. Mm. Um, and if you've ever seen any of his like Conan interviews or any like any late night interviews, best fucking interviews that you'll ever watch. So if you're East Asian or Us Asian? Um, East Asian. He's cool, Korean. Cool, cool, yeah. cool. Yeah. Just, just wanted to... Very talented young yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Stephen Young. Come on. No, no, just, 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 what if, what if he's Malayali? You know, it's Malu. What if he's Malu and he's, uh, you know. Uh, uh, so. Top three stand-up comedy. Uh, oh, top three, top four, whatever. You might watch more. This is, this is your field. Who, anyone who's inspired you from um, on the stage from the stand-up uh, format? Uh, Mike Babriglia. I got to give it to him. I also loved his improvising, too. Um, I saw a lot of him, a lot of his uh, improv on, on the UCB stage. Um, so shout out to him. Um, love him. Uh, when I Whenever I felt sad or like, not good about myself. I will listen to a lot of Mike Birbiglia, um, Mitch Hedberg, and Dimitri Martin. I know that I just named like three fucking straight white men, and I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> You're kind of PC. <laughs> I mean, I hear it, and we we all get it, but it's also like shit. But that's all we have. It's like, like it's I like, don't know what to tell you, man. I had um, I had the same thing in my in my office. I have like all my favorite coaches, and there was yeah. like Pat Riley, Greg Popovich, and Phil Jackson. I'm looking at it's like. These are really white, old white guys, and yeah. and all love to them. But it's like, so I had to replace it like two weeks ago, like Doc Rivers and like Brad Stevens. I'm like, all right, now I feel a little bit more like yeah. connected to it. But yeah. but they do serve a purpose. I mean, when you're down, sometimes you need their humor to mm-hmm. get you to your next yeah. energy and level. One of the first ever South Asians that I've seen that I saw do stand up was Russell Peters, and that. Um, was huge to me. Yeah, he was amazing. He like his his YouTube clips like fucking were went 
crazy. Yeah. Like, when YouTube first became a thing, like he was one of the top comedians on on YouTube. Yeah. And, That's more um, fucking worldwide. Russell Peters at the Pitbull. Yeah. of brown comedy this guy's oh, like can God. sell out o2 arena because yeah. people outside like people all over the world know russell peters and understand his what they're getting yeah, when they yeah. go see his show yeah. and shit yeah. i was actually one of the first uh, shows that nipa bought his tickets to like really? when we first started dating i was like a month how'd in huh how'd you guys meet we I mean, met because i was uh you ever see this netflix show called <laughs> ever see this netflix show called you okay so it was, it was based show? on a true story. <laughs> so it's like, I feel really close to Joe. No, just kidding. So that's a story for another so, episode. So what you're trying to say is Nipa is being held hostage. Oh, pretty much. She's in the glass cage right now. I mean, my kids have the lock and they let her out whenever they need shit, like food and water and go to the bathroom, whatever the hell they need help with. And then when they're done with her, they just... Kind of like team up on her and then shove her back in there. And, and then when I get home and we switch and they do the same thing to me for the next 12 hours and they switch off. Our, ki- our kids are crazy. Uh, so I've never seen you, but anyways, um, can you actually tell me about how you met Nipa? Nipa and I met through friends. We, okay. um, it was the fall of 2007 and uh, I, I was, I had finished medical school and made a career shift after graduating from clinical medicine to uh, healthcare management. And it was Facebook was everything at the time. And one of our common friends that I grew up with and she grew up with, I saw Nipa's picture and I was like, yo, let's hang out. Oh, like, I was like, how can we hang out together? Like, how can we make this happen? Mm-hmm. And then it was like a whole bunch of our birthdays together. At around the same time, so I started like planning birthday parties for all these different friends of ours. Oh, did you do so, like, Ted Mosby? Just, just literally doing all these, doing all these like parties and hosting, just so I could find some time <laughs> to hang out with the one You're person really, I'm chasing. Oh my god! And then really how I met your mother after I cu- after a couple <laughs> of those parties. I was like, damn, this is a lot of work for like 10 minutes of conversation. So Let now me just... we know that Ivan is a Ted Bengali Ted Mosby. <laughs> like, I'm the host. Do you know that reference? No, I do not. So <laughs> please. So if it's about hosting part, fat, like fun parties, So there's an please. episode. There's actually an episode of How I Met Your Mother. Have you heard the show How, how I yes, Met Your Mother? Okay. Yes. Yeah, I've, I've so watched. there's an episode of How I Met Your Mother where Ted Mosby throws a party every single night of the week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that one girl would show yeah, up. Pretty much. <laughs> That was absolutely me <laughs> for three of those parties. Two of them, of uh, two of I'm which happy it worked out for you though. Two of I which really Nipa did. attended, and the final one, which yeah. happened to be my birthday, she missed. So I was like, "Oh shit! If she misses this, my the birthday." One of her, and she's like, <laughs> like "What? Going on? Where's everyone?" It's like, <laughs> "Well, it's just uh, called me, me and you." It's called me and you. Everyone else tragically died. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Sorry, I killed everyone. They're in the back freezer." <laughs> So, what do you like? Uh, how do you like your pizza? What do you like on your pizza? So, uh, so that's how, uh, how this is how I met my kid's mother, uh, Nipa. So, it's funny you ask that. So, we watch a lot of comedy, and Russell Peters, I was like, so it was one of our first gifts. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh shit, we got a new relationship. Uh, you know, your first month that's anniversary sweet. shit, or like, it was maybe it was like some some. Oh, I had gotten into like my MPH program or something. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to celebrate it. And then we went to see Russell Peters, had a good time to watch it at the Hulu Theater. Nice. And, uh, Hulu Theater. You know, that's called MSG. Paramount, uh, Paramount Theater at MSG. It, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say MSG if Don't it was say just Hulu, a Hulu Theater. Man. You sound like a narc. Yo, kid. <laughs> you sound like a fucking narc. He's like, you a narc? No. <laughs> that's like, excuse that's me. Like, that's like people calling the Sears Tower. Are you Tower. on ecstasy right now? No, that's like people calling the Sears Tower the Willis Tower. Like, yeah, who are yeah. you? Like, <laughs> the hulu theater <laughs> no no the sponsorship changed as of two months ago so we, we it, you're not allowed to call it that. so we had a good time and now we are, are big fans of uh, stand-up comedy and uh we're big fans of uh not only your work uh we, we've been watching mango bay recently so yes. shout outs to sama and Pranav, Pranav Pranav no because uh, his my brother and my uncle <laughs> oh my gosh your brother and your uncle i love uh the dynamic between them all and yeah. uh i can't wait to see Which, like, a huge shout out to osama because he's been he's one of the few brown boys that i've met uh, that have been so supportive of brown women and we don't growing up i didn't have that i did not have i felt very alienated by brown men and i met osama very 
far in my life <laughs> and I felt bad about that I was like I wish I, I had known Osama for since I was a child because um, if I had that kind of support growing up I wouldn't be so I wouldn't have felt so um, wrong you know yeah. So, huge shout-out to him. Love him. Shout-out. Shout-out to all of our brothers who've been supporting all of our sisters in the game. Shout-outs to the entire squad at Mango Bay and all the other stuff. And shout-outs to you girls, man. You and the whole Kuti Gang team, your your, your co-founder and, and the oh, yeah, growing community, Puja, yeah. and to, to the growing Legion? I met her. I met her at an open mic, and I legit was just like, loved her. Thought she was so funny. I reached out to her, and we were like, "Yo, let's just let's do something." When can she be on the show? When, when can she come on the Another Girl podcast? So we can talk to Pooja. Well, I'm not her manager. You nah? talk to her. Yo, I thought I thought I thought the whole reason for us having this thing so I could kind of like you know talk to her after this. So this is just like the appetizer. So wow, <laughs> this is this is just like a prelude. So a... to the other part of the show, the part two. So. I gonna be dead I'm I'm already dead at home for my kids so (laughs) so might as well make it two for two at the office as well so uh, joking aside this has been a conversation we've been hoping to have for quite some time Uh, we're incredibly incredibly grateful to Zuby for not only her time in representing culture in the comedic space but she's doing this for countless young women and even some young men after her and um and Pooja and after her and Pooja and her whole squad of growing leaders in this space. Um, personally, we are big big fans of comedy, not only at uh, our casa and our at home, but uh, you know overall on the team. Uh, we've had a few big outings a couple times a year where we've taken like our senior team to like. A big show at MSG. Not I, not Hulu. Honestly, MSG. I appreciate that so much. Because <clears throat> if I can say one thing, like, please, guys. I know Gen Z and millennials, we are so, like, introverted. And so, like, we want to stay inside and kind of, like, die. But um, please go to live shows. That's our fucking bread and butter. Like, please go to live shows that's where like fun shit happens that's where like you go and like you talk about with your friends for like a really long time because that's that experience that you have you can't get that experience on the phone i mean it's fun being i love being at home i love it yeah we love it we love the cash and, and watch netflix specials by myself and like you know have a good time but but please like if you want to support comedy go go watch a live show I beg you. Please. TikTok will will always be there. (laughs) Yeah, and like, if you're really into the gram, nothing better to post in the gram than the fun you're having in real life. (laughs) So rather than finding cool quotes and cool photos, bro, go to some real cool shit and real cool, fun, real experiences. Tape a little bit of it and have a blast in the gram, whatever you're into. When you're at the shows, make sure to loosen up, have a good fucking time. I know a lot of brown people even like... Even younger than 30, like, they're, I don't think we've grown up around laughter in, in a lot of parts of our South Asian diaspora stuff. So, you know, go out there, let loose, and just chill and have a good fucking time. So, until then, we can't wait to have you back. We can't wait to collaborate on uh, further comedy and, of course, tutoring projects. And... Um, <laughs> So for all of our listeners on the Notre Girl podcast around education, growth, and culture, this has been an extremely, extremely special episode, stand-up comedy with Zubi Ahmed. Until next time, folks, always remember to pay it forward. Pay it forward. <laughs>